As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Jack from the Horrible Movie Podcast. Each week, producer Phil, a guest, and I watch a horrible theater-released movie. We record our conversation, and then we tear that movie to shreds. We keep it family-friendly, so gather the family around the old smartphone, laptop, or tablet and join in on the fun. Just like all the great Studio DNA podcasts, find the Horrible Movie Podcast at Spreaker.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts can be found. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Sif Pop Podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that was almost named Fantastic Beards and Where to Find Them, it's Sif Pop. Beard's coming in pretty good. Thanks, ma'am. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm Aaron Dicer from, let's just go with SifPop.com. Yeah. I'm Aaron Dicer from SifPop.com. He's Andrew Ormsby from Flick Freaks. Nope, let's just go (laughs) SifPop.com. I haven't been on Flick Freaks in forever. There we go. We're just changing everything, people. Each week, we're going to chat about movies, television, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And we are so happy that you're hanging out with us today. Mm-hmm. Got a couple movies to chat about. One we've both seen. One only I have seen, but yeah. we're excited to chat about both of them. Uh, fun new segment this week that we will get to <laughs> here eventually. Uh, of course, we'll do the usual stuff like Buried Treasure, and uh, we've got a Sift Quest from somebody about drive-in theaters. That's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun. Um, and, of course, we're going to review Widows and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Crimes of Grindelwald. I think I said all those words. I think it's just Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald. Okay, they didn't even put the and where to find them in there? Because I think that and where to find them is the first movie. Uh, was it Fantastic Beasts, colon, and where to find them? Possibly. <laughs> That'd be weird. Gotta, gotta, gotta keep that colon, man. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. We are no good without our colons. Mm-mm. All right, so uh, before we get to all that, though, we like to kick it off with a little bit of Do We Care? Every single week I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick some topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a... Very different Do We Care Week because it is only one topic. We care deeply. You're probably guessing what we're talking about. Only topic this week is Stanley passing away at the age of 95. Now, that, that was Monday, right? So it's been almost a full week, mm-hmm. and news cycles happen really fast. It's crazy how quickly everybody's talking about something, and then it goes away. But this one has kind of stuck with me a little <sighs> bit. Um, I, I think for this reason, Stanley is... Certainly a uh, a complex human, right? As we all are. And there's certainly many aspects to the story of his career and all those things. What is inarguable, I feel like, is that Stan Lee has changed the face of popular storytelling uh, in maybe the most dramatic way ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, his one person so greatly affected the way we tell stories, uh, fantastical stories specifically, more than Stan Lee. I I just don't know that anybody has. I don't either. Um, One of the things that I I keep coming back to is something he said, and this is all uh, not word for word, but, you know, just along the lines. Uh, He kept Mm -hmm. talking about uh, Superman, you know, DC's character, and how he never liked Superman because Superman was always 
perfect back in the day, right? Uh, even before Kryptonite, mm-hmm. he said you can't have longevity for a character who is invulnerable. Right, you have to have flaws. And what he wanted to do with his characters is make them super, but also human. Like they have human flaws that way that they're relatable and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's if you look at all the characters in the MCU or you know even beyond and ju- just regular Marvel, you can find something you know relatable. T- to every single one of them and that's something incredible yeah he 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 kind of changed things from the idea of you know superheroes being completely beyond something beyond us yeah to superheroes being us and in fact even even beyond weaknesses or you know human elements to non-human superheroes then you have human superheroes like Spider-Man or whatever, yeah. who's the very essence of this kid who gets bit by a radioactive spider and now has to deal with what that means. And, it, and the way he used the, the, the storytelling to be metaphorical in so many ways, the idea of, you know, Peter Parker is about adolescence in some ways. In some ways, we're all bit by a radioactive spider when we're growing up and we go through adolescence and we're trying to figure out, you know, this new us and who is the, you know what I mean? So, oh, you know, yeah. he's just, he was just so smart about that and man it's hard because what did marvel just celebrate their 10th year of the mcu was that what it was i can't remember what the number was well infinity war was uh 10 years after the first iron man iron man that's what it was yeah 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 so it's interesting to think that in just the last decade basically our movies have just been dominated over 10 years yeah it's become a domination of you know, Marvel movies. And I mean, I know DC is making movies too, but they're trying to play catch up. Not very well, mind you. No. Um, but, uh, but it's just, it's interesting how crazy it has become about comics, you know, and about that kind of storytelling. Well, yeah. And you can look even beyond like the comic uh, genre to like even his, you know, reaching effects on people, like people who grew up reading comics, who then wanted to become storytellers right? and then became directors or actors or writers of totally different, you know, separate entities besides, you know, comic books or superheroes or anything. So a lot of the... uh, the writers in Hollywood or, you know, our favorite storytellers grew up reading comics and stuff. And yeah, the way Stan Lee, you know, changed everything, just well, the far reaching. Uh, he had quite an impact. I, yeah. I I was not a comic book person. I am not a comic book person. I should say that I don't read comic books. Yeah, never have. Um, but I could feel that influence even on me through movies, even be, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, you think of Unbreakable or mm. you um, you think of the TV show Heroes or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or uh, just the idea that these things are so, uh, you know, if that's what's interesting about, like, if you go back and watch Heroes now, it feels like a Marvel ripoff. Yeah. Because it kind of is, but Marvel wasn't, in that umbrella place of the pop culture mainstream in that way. And so it became a way for people who didn't, you know, know that mythos to kind of tie into what was going on there. So it's just really been interesting to see how that's transformed and changed. And I don't know. It's been really fun. Yep. So thank you, Stan. Thank you, Stan. Excelsior. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. We care deeply. We do. Uh, All right. Let's head into some reviews. Let's kick it off with Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. The wizarding and non-wizarding worlds have been at peace for over a century. Grindelwald wants to see that peace destroyed. You want me to hunt him down? To kill him? Dumbledore, why can't you go? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. In an effort to thwart Grindelwald's plans of raising pure-blood wizards to rule over all non-magical beings, Albus Dumbledore enlists his former student Newt Scamander, who agrees to help unaware of the dangers that lie ahead. Brand new, uh, I'm just going to call it a Harry Potter movie, because it's all in that universe, and you know, in the way you would call it a Marvel movie, this is a Potter movie. Yep. I guess they call them Wizarding World movies. That's what they want to go with for you know their version of the MCU. Too late. <laughs> Right? Everybody's just going to call them Harry Potter movies. Yeah. The Potterverse, as it were. 
Uh, second movie in the Fantastic Beasts uh, series. So, did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Preface, I don't like Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. I'm like one of the only nerds in the world who doesn't like Harry Potter. Yeah, I, we should explore that a little bit. I, I'm curious as to why that is, but go ahead. Yeah. Give us your answer. So, I didn't like this movie. <laughs> so, not a surprise. Yep, didn't like it. I, I didn't like it either. And really? I, yeah, and I do like <laughs> Potter. Um, I think this movie's a mess. I, I really think it's an absolute mess. Uh, hopefully this isn't spoilerish, but I think the beginning of this movie retcons a lot of the stuff that happens in Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Mm-hmm. Like the ending of Fantastic yep. Beasts and yep. stuff, the way they just it's my write, biggest negative, by the way. How they just write off that, and you're like, wait, yep. what? Yeah. Really? This is my fear for the new Wonder Woman, too, by the way. Oh, they just retcon yes, it? Yes, that it's just going to retcon everything so it can get back to square one. I hate it when movies, when sequels are like, Oh, remember all the cool, you know, fun dynamic we had in the first one? We need to get back there. So now we have to change everything back to the way it was at the beginning of the first one. Characters have to forget certain things. Characters have to be in certain places that they weren't. You know what I mean? And it's just like you you spend all this time, then you're going, well, why did I even watch the first movie then? If it's if nothing's going to change, so I agree. That's actually one of my biggest negatives. Uh, about the movie. I don't mean to start off with negatives. That's okay. Normally we, we start with no, positives. We, we can just have a discussion. You know, it's all, it's all a guideline. It's just there to help us get through the day <laughs> if we need to. Uh, here is a pro. Okay. The 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 once again the thing I loved about the first movie and that I love about this movie is the creature design yep. is so fun. There's, it's fun. There's one you know giant creature in this movie that's you know the main the main thing. It is so cool. I just want to see that thing in all of the fantastic beast from now on because that's my new favorite it's beautiful right yeah yeah it's very you know chinese mm -hmm. tiger you know specifically and and i think the movie even uses cultural identifications with that creature in other words it says it's from you know the the asian province or the east or whatever so yeah i that is what i loved about the first one it's what i like about this one Mm -hmm. um i I almost wish they didn't have to put all the self-serious stuff, you know, try to make it so big and and scary and that like I just I almost just want the fantastical version where it really is about this guy who's just a magical zookeeper. Yeah. And and it's about the beasts themselves and I those those moments in this movie just went by too fast for me. Yeah. You know, there's there's a moment with an underwater creature that was here and gone so quickly and yeah, it's wasted. It's wasted. And the other creatures, some of which we know from the first movie, yeah. Uh they're just props. They just end up being props instead of really giving them life and giving them, you know, something valuable. The way they play into the plot is just a plot device. It's just a prop device. Um, and I just I want this movie to be about the Fantastic Beast. It's in the title. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the part I like about it. It really is one of the only things I liked about this movie. Yeah. Same. Cause I don't care about Grenovolt. Yeah. I, I I haven't seen anything from him to show me how powerful he is. Right. I, it's him walking around being gloomy. Yeah. With his weird eye. I think we're supposed to connect to... I'm, okay, I can't go spoilers here, because I was going to go some a little bit of story spoiler here to talk about some of the things we're supposed to connect to. Maybe I'll save that for spoilers, but I think we're supposed to connect to some relationships here. Yeah. Uh, I think we're supposed to connect to the transition of uh, Ezra Miller's uh, character, uh, Credence, right? Credence Clearwater, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Credence Murky Water. Oh, by the way, he's back. <laughs> yes he didn't die no retcon again yeah and, and it's full of this and i i some of the stuff i'm gonna say may i be spoilers for some people but i assumed that was in the trailer as much as he's in probably this movie but oh you haven't seen the trailer either like i said if it's not a trailer that uh, i care about <laughs> or a movie i care about i rarely don't watch a trailer anymore because i don't have to anymore um yeah i guess maybe we should just save stuff for spoilers i don't want to ruin it for anybody who loves the story and and you know wants to uh, see it fresh, uh, but there there are a lot of things in here that I think the movie wants us to care about. Here's the negative I can say without spoiling anything. Yeah, it's just a muddled mess of what is like th- th- where we're going and the events that are happening, who we're supposed to care about, why stuff is happening. I I was confused more than I was understanding. Oh yeah, what was going on here? Now you can put that. I, I will totally own that. 
not being a fanatic and not understanding like all the levels of everything, like that's fine. If this is just a movie for the fanatics and you have to understand that stuff to understand what's going on, cool. I get it. It's not me. Yeah. And that's going to have a negative impact on my experience. And I think it's going to have a negative impact on the overall ability of this movie to perform well. And my understanding is already performing quite a bit poorer than the first one did. So really? in the audience scores going down um, mm. pretty quickly. But uh, but yeah, I just I couldn't follow a lot of it. No, like until like the end when they kind of explain like everything that had been happening, it it waited too long for that moment to yeah. to make everything clear. Um, I don't know about you, but I really don't think Newt Scamander is that interesting of a character. Now I will disagree with you in there. If I did have one other <clears throat> thing that I kind of like about these movies, it is uh, that performance by Eddie Redmayne. Okay. And I'll tell you what I like about it. Now, I don't know that Newt Scamander, and this may be what you don't like about it, I don't know that that character is interesting in the same way that most leading characters are interesting. And that's kind of what I like about it. Okay. I like that he is legitimately the nerd at school. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's legitimately the kid that deals with not being socially aware and conscious and able to interact well. Because you see movies so many times to make an attempt at the socially awkward kid but it's really just a cool kid pretending to be socially awkward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And then when they become a cool kid, it's like, oh, that's who they always were or whatever. You yeah. never get the sense that Newt Scamander is ever going to be like Mr. Cool. You know no. what I mean? I, and I like that. I kind of like that he's, he's, he's <laughs> leading the movie as a socially awkward um, and, and even, you know, uh, unkempt appearance, you know, with the hair and the I kind of like that. I, I wish movies would do more of that. Um, both with men and women, I really wish we would have a broader idea of what it means to be human than just the well put together, cool, you know, kind of lead character. We need more Napoleon Dynamite wizards. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. So, yeah. so I do like that. Now, I agree that does make him in some ways less interesting. You yeah. know, like there's there's a little less there to connect to um, because there's not the charisma, right? Yeah. But I, I still appreciate it. Okay. So that's that's kind of my take on the, the Scamander thing. Cool. What else you got? Master and Scamander, Far Side of the World. Master and Scamander. <laughs> Save that joke. That's a good one. Uh, I don't really have any other good stuff. Uh, as far as the, the bad stuff, I felt like the characters I liked in the first movie, without going into spoilers, that are in this movie, um, were completely wasted. Um, not as good. Not as good. Muted. <clears throat> felt less authentic. Um, they do something with a couple of main characters that I really liked and I liked their relationship and they do something in this one that makes no sense to me. Uh, it comes out of nowhere and does not feel right. Uh, so many of the character choices for secondary characters in this movie do not feel authentic to what those characters would do. And that's difficult for me. Yeah. So that was one of my other big negatives. Did you have any others? No, you hit it right on the head. Yeah. I don't know, there's a lot else to talk about this unless we can get into spoilers. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, other <laughs> which for a movie I really didn't understand is interesting. <laughs> that I don't understand it yet. I got to wait till Well, right, spoilers you... to say why I didn't understand right, it. Right, ask the questions, right? And yeah. then maybe we can help each other, un, you know, understand a few things here or there, but um I will say this, if you're a huge uh pothead, <laughs> potterhead, whatever you Whatever you would say. They're two different things. <laughs> Those are two, well, sometimes they're two different things. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're a big Potter fan, uh, I, maybe there's some, maybe there's something here, right? Like maybe you'll understand it all and you'll get it and you'll be into it. Um, I could not find my my way in, and I just I it was a very disappointing experience yeah. for me. My sister is like the biggest like Wizarding World person yeah. ever, so she's seeing it tonight. I think so. I'm going to be interested to see like listen to her take how if she liked it or not. Yeah, like if it's a movie there, if you have to be that big of a fan to understand it, or she may just blindly say she loves it. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I and I I hope you do love it. You know, that's always our hope is that you know people come out of movies loving it, oh, of course, even when we don't. Uh, there you go. That is Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, oh, I will say one other thing. Jude Law's great. Oh, I was, I, every, that everything. Is, he's I don't in. know why, but I literally had the exact same thought in the moment you did. I'm like, he is a great <laughs> young Dumbledore. Yeah, and he's just he's great in everything he does, and he is a good you know young Dumbledore. So that yeah. that I guess was another positive thing to say. Yeah. about the movie. There, we can end it on a positive note. Woo! See, look at that. We're doing good work here. Before we head on to our second review, though, we're introducing a new segment. 
to Sift Pop. Yep. We debuted this in the uh, patron pre-show a few weeks back. For uh, Venom and A Star is Born. Uh, what happened was, basically, Andrew found a new setting on his... Um, podcast player podcast for player. the iPhone. He had never seen the, you know, where you can speed it up or slow it down, and he accidentally slowed it down to half speed and was just absolutely tickled by what happened then. Because we sound incredibly drunk we are dubbing this drunk pop drunk pop <laughs> that's just when you drink pop right drunk exactly pop. maybe it should be sift drunk 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 sift, sift. Drunk. drunk sift pop we are dubbing this a bunch of things waste pop wasted <laughs> pop uh so ladies and gentlemen without any further ado the latest edition of drunk sift pop And now, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to present to you another episode of Drunk Sift Pop, featuring Aaron and Andrew. After I saw it, um, <laughs> and kind of jotted my thoughts down, I was On IMDb, it's in the top 250 movies of all time. It's 133. <laughs> it's, it's 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> well, they didn't see the right movies. <laughs> no, I just know I saw a lot of... In fact, Worse than what I would say. Like, there's a lot of critics that really don't like it. Fools. <laughs> but who cares, right? <laughs> that shouldn't... At the end of the day, what you believe about your movie experience is what's important, right? You don't have to feel bad about liking something that no. other people don't like. That's what we're all about. Out. We're all about the beauty of subjectivity here. And so honestly, the podcasts that you and I do where you and I disagree on a movie, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that we disagree to an extent, you know, yeah. you didn't hate this movie. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, these are some of my favorite podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> like the uh, the Last Jedi <clears throat> is a great example. I hated that movie and you love that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> Was that this year? <laughs> Oh my goodness! I love that movie. Was that was that this was that this year? Oh man, drunk sift pop. There you go. Enjoy it. Uh, you'll probably be hearing that pop up. Yep, here and there on sift pop. All right, let's head on to the second movie and talk a little bit about widows. My husband left me the plans for his next job. All I need is a crew to pull it off. Why should we trust you anyway? Because I'm the only one standing between you and a bullet in your head. That's what I've learned from men like your late husband and my father. Is that you reap what you sow. Let's hope so. A police shootout leaves four thieves dead during an explosive armed robbery attempt in Chicago. Their widows, Veronica, Linda, Alice, and Belle have nothing in common except a debt left behind by their spouse's criminal activities. Hoping to forge a future on their own terms, Veronica joins forces with the other three women to pull off a heist that her husband was planning. Uh, this is Steve McQueen's latest movie, getting a little bit of awards buzz. Uh, you know, understandably so, when you've got Steve McQueen making a movie with uh, yeah with that cast. Uh, in what's going on here, so he's made a few good movies. <laughs> um, Andrew did not get a chance to see Widows, unfortunately, uh, before today. Are you excited to see it? Tell me about your excitement for this movie. Here's why: I love Steve McQueen, mm -hmm. and it's Gillian Flynn who also wrote like Gone Girl, yeah, and, yeah, and uh, what was the oh Sharp Objects, she, right? Yeah, so is it Gillian or Gillian? I don't. Maybe Gillian. I think I've heard it Gillian, but okay. you know, either way. It's one of those Apologies it's to Miss Flynn. It's one of those gift gif things. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm super excited. Not only for that amazing cast, you got like Viola Davis, Michelle Rodriguez, Liam Neeson. I mean, I yep. could go on. So everything about this, Daniel seems, Kaluuya. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. Everything about this just seems like it is gonna be firing on all cylinders. So. Robert Duvall. 
Really? I didn't see yes. Robert Duvall. Brian Tyree Henry, Carrie Coon is in this, John, John Bernthal. Yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell. Um, man, what a cast is, so. is doing this thing. So. So yeah, what? So like, you're excited to see it? Yes. Um, I will go ahead and tell you uh, on the liked it, loved it, disliked it, hated it, or was just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I am heavy, 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 heavy liked it. Um, maybe into the loved it. There's enough here that I'm just like, I'm not sure that works. That it brings it down a little bit. But when this movie is working, mm-hmm. whoo, it is working. Like yeah. there, there is an intensity here. There are some choices that Steve McQueen is making visually here that are brilliant. There's an entire conversation here that takes place inside a car while the camera is outside of the car and it's moving and it's, I've never seen anything like it. And it's just, I don't know. It's just those kind of choices where I'm like, yes, yes. Make movies, you know, do yeah. fun stuff, do cool stuff, you know, make it interesting. Um, and there's there's really a lot of that here. And plus, you've got you know a list people doing a list work. What I could tell from the uh, trailers and what I can wanting to predict is that Viola Davis is just going to steal this movie with how great she is. She's great, but she doesn't steal the movie. Really, it's there's just too many great people in this movie doing great work um, to steal. In fact, I'm going to tell you who may if you want to put a steal it on there. Mm-hmm. Cynthia Revo really is brilliant. This. And um, battle at the battle at the El Royale, bad times at the El Royale. Yeah, this year, um, she is the breakout performer of 2018 for me. I am blown away by her. I want her to be in everything. She's phenomenal. Uh, I was really, really impressed with her work here, and uh, and I amongst this cast, even yeah. you know, so a stacked cast. So yeah, great stuff. Um, it is one of those things where this is a movie that understands uh, the the true equality of male and female acting and actors. The women in this movie are, in most ways, the center of what's going on here. And the movie understands what that means and what that doesn't mean. It doesn't play these women at the center. Even movies that have women at the center sometimes play them in relation to the men in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And even though the there's actually a a scale for that, I can't remember the name of it, but there's a scale like for lead uh, actresses or lead actresses in mm-hmm. a movie, how often they're talking about either male counterparts or just men in general, or depending on the men in their life yeah. for the reason they do things that they do. Uh, the the women in this movie have agency. Now it's it's honest and realistic about relationships and what that means and how that affects people. But this is this is a movie that really gives these women uh, meaty performances, you know, to chew on, and I appreciate that. The only one I wanted to see more of uh, was Carrie Coon. I didn't feel like I saw enough of kind of what she was doing. Her her role in the movie was really, uh, I guess, put to the side mm. for me, and I didn't understand that character completely. Wasn't a bad performance. I just didn't think she was given a lot to do. Okay. Um, and maybe that's just maybe that happened in the edit. You know, maybe a lot of that got cut. I don't know. Um, but everybody else seemed to be doing, you know, really great work. Is it uh Elizabeth Debicki? Is that yeah. is that how you pronounce her name? Mm-hmm. Uh where have we seen her before? Elizabeth Debicki. Uh she was in uh, Oh, great phone. Thank you for, you know, breaking. I was, I was trying to remember what she had been in. It says she's in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and I couldn't remember. I just feel like I've seen her somewhere. Uh, um, yeah, oh, I've seen her in Everest. Uh, she's Aisha in uh, the Guardians movie, like uh, Quill's mom, I think. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, no, I no, th- no, 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 Aisha, she's like uh, the head of like the gold people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was in. You saw Everest, though, right? Yes. Oh, such a good movie. Yeah. Um, she was great. I was just surprised with the performances all around. She's the villain in Man from Uncle. Um, the oh, female yeah, yeah, yeah. villain. That's actually it. That's it. That's okay. where I remember her from. Is Man from Uncle? Okay. Um, I I have to tell you, I just down the line, Brian uh, Tyree Henry from Atlanta, I mm. thought was great. Uh, performances really stand out in this movie, and I think Steve McQueen does a great job at getting great stuff out of his uh, performers. Now, the things I didn't like, 
Okay. Uh, overall, there are moments where this movie, yada yada, some pretty important stuff. Oh, no. And I don't want to go into detail for spoiler reasons. Sure. But there are moments where I was like, okay, we got there way too quickly. You know, th- this this progressed, like, I don't understand it enough for it to be at this point now for me in this story. It feels like a movie, and maybe this has to do with what I mentioned about Carrie Coon's role as well. It feels like a movie that has been chopped up a little bit, you know, that has been uh, tightened up and pieced together. It's still, like, you're not necessarily confused. I never felt like going through this movie where I was like, where am I? What is going on? It was more of, well, I knew this is kind of where we were heading, and I understand that this is, but how did we get here? Like, I didn't feel it enough, you know? That transition. I yeah, I didn't, mm. it didn't It didn't impact me enough, and there are enough of those moments for me in this movie that, I was, that it just feels like it doesn't quite fire on all cylinders, editing-wise, okay. uh, getting through this film. Does this feel like a heist film? No. No? Um, it is a heist film. Yeah. But if you are thinking like the joy and exuberance of the plan, yeah, watching the plan come together and who's there's just a little bit of that here. It is much more about the humans than it is the technique or the plans. Now, what about tension? Is it good? Yes. Okay. There's some really good tension here. Um, so yes, that that part of it works. Uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya is just playing like the worst person <laughs> like it's so interesting to see him do that uh but he is he has some moments here that are super intense and and uh interesting in that way man all the things you're saying are things that i really wanted to be true about this movie good so it's like yay now i really really want to see yeah it. i think this is a, i think this is a good movie it's a really good watch like i said i'm even on the extreme high side of liked it and the only yeah. reason i can't go into loved it is because it just it doesn't feel like it quite was in the oven quite long enough, you mm-hmm. know, or maybe it was in the oven just a little too long, you know, maybe it just, it overbaked a little bit, but, um, Viola Davis is, you know, she's Viola Davis and she's doing great work here. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah. And I didn't think, um, I didn't think the story movements in this, uh, also were handled perfectly. They were fine. But there were just some things about. The, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking around it because I don't want to spoil it. Sure, yeah. Um, but that that could have been handled a little bit better. Do you have any questions about the movie? As someone who's interested in it, it's weird for a movie that I'm this interested in. I don't want to know that much more about it. If that makes sense. No, like, it's, it's totally. Just, it's one of those things where I'm just going to want to experience it. Yeah, I totally get that, and I would encourage that. Uh, Lynn in the chat says, "Totally did not understand <clears throat> the outside the car shot that I had mentioned earlier." Uh, what did you think he was trying to do, shooting it that way, show the neighborhood? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought he was trying to do. And I actually really loved that because what it allowed was this conversation happening here as he's driving from the poor part of the neighborhood to where he lives. And it's emphasizing the change in this neighborhood, even through those few blocks and this idea of him as a politician you know, saying one thing but living something else and, you know, the understanding of, you know, uh, what it means to serve people but not actually be with them. Uh, all that stuff is emphasized because you're outside of the car and seeing the environment around you. So I found it very interesting in that way. Anything else you wanted to know? No, I think that's going to be good. All right. I am super excited to see it, though. Uh, Widows is uh, out now, and I, it's a recommend for me, especially if you're a award season person. Like, if you want to see the movies that are going to be competing, uh, you're going to see this one competing, I think. Really? In, in several categories. That's exciting. I think this will be a Best Picture nomination. Ooh. I really do. Steve McQueen has the, uh, you know, he's got the talent, and he's got the pedigree. You know, uh, I think you may see a Best Director nod for McQueen. I think you may see an actress nod for Viola Davis. Um, I think there's some really good stuff going on here. So Man, I can't wait to see it now. There you go. That's Widows. Uh, before we head on to our Sif Quest for this week, just a reminder, you can support what goes on here. Become a member, a Sif Pop member at yeah. Patreon. There's different levels of membership that come with different perks. Um, you get to uh, hear the podcast uh, bonus episodes that come your way directly in your own podcast feed. It starts at three bucks a month. We do a, a bonus episode for every single episode of Sip Pop. Uh, on this bonus episode, we talked about movies that have humongous plot holes that ruin the movie 
for us. So if you want to hear that conversation and you are a Sif Pop member, it is waiting for you in your podcast uh, player right now. Uh, so if you want to check all that out, go to patreon.com slash siftpop. Patreon.com slash siftpop. All right, time for the Sift Quest. This comes to us from Sam. And uh, he emailed at feedback at siftpop.com. So if you want to do that, you can do that. He's sending us on a quest to talk about drive-in theaters. He says, what do you think of the viability of drive-in theaters in this day and age? Are they doomed to be a relic of the past? Or is it possible they will see a resurgence? If you were running one, what movies would you show? What do you think about drive-ins, Andrew? Oh, it's crazy because me and my girlfriend, Karen, were actually just talking about drive-ins. What was it, like a week or so ago? Yeah. She's from Switzerland. No drive-in theaters. And she's always wanted to go to one. So uh, we were talking about it. There's one not really that far from here, actually. It's about an hour away. Yeah. And... uh, I've been to a couple drive-in theaters. I don't know about you, if you have or not. I have, yes. Okay, so, yeah. Um, it's not really the best-going movie-going. Oh, it's, going it's one of the worst ways to see a movie. It really it, is. It really is. I, and that's the one reason I would say I don't think there'll be any kind of like resurgence, resurgence. No. But I think you'll always be able to do it here or there. Uh, you know, at some places. I think the only way to do it is to like have a theme night, like to go back and like play movies that were, you know, prime for that era of, you know, don't do it with modern movies. It just won't work. You got to do it with, like, the shining. It's got to be an event, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's got to be a classic movie event where you put together, you know, a theme for the weekend and you Mm -hmm. have you show, you know, three movies one night, three movies the next night, you know, make it a big event weekend where movie lovers come and see, you know, the... uh, Whatever, they, you do a Spielberg theme or, yeah. you know, a horror movie theme or whatever you want to do. Now, with technology, I can see that, you know, projectors getting better, but, I mean, it's, you can barely see the movie because so many people forget to turn off their headlights <laughs> and they're just... Well, you're just dealing with people in cars. There's so yeah. many distractions when you got people in cars, you know? Yeah. Noises from the cars. Um, yeah. I, I have not been to a drive-in movie theater yet where somebody hasn't honked during the movie. Oh, like yeah. it just Even if it's accidental, you know? Yeah. It just happens. Um, and, and especially when you've got so many people, when I was growing up, that went to the drive-in movie so they could make out, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you can make out in a movie theater if you want to, but it's a lot easier in your car when nobody's around, and yep. nobody's watching, and then all of a sudden you're honking the horn with your elbow or something. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's looking at you yeah it's just not a great environment for for watching a movie it's an experience but if you actually want to pay attention to the movie not so much um what is the like the big screen experience going to be in the future like is there going to be an uh, like an outdoor type experience that isn't a drive-in like where somebody figures out i don't know i'm just trying to think I think that cinema and, you know, like, cinematic experiences are actually gearing the opposite way and becoming more personal as yeah, opposed to I agree. group. Yeah. Well, a more even a more personal group, though. Yeah. As far as, like, a public... I, I Like, when I saw... Um, when I went and saw Roma in New York City, that was a mm-hmm. really neat experience. It was a small, intimate theater. There were, like, a hundred of us. A, a somewhat packed theater of a hundred people isn't kind of a cool experience. You know what I mean? It feels intimate, but a group experience at the same time. Um, so yeah, I, I think you'll see more and more of that. And that's what's happening too with the chairs, right? They put in these big recliner chairs instead oh, yeah. of the, you know, the more of the other kind of chairs. So now these, these rooms only seat, you know, less people. Um, to be able to do Which with that fine one. with me. I I will say I do remember we had a theater in uh, where I went to college that was a big like stadium style theater, like old school, kind of like cinema. the Branson IMAX. Yeah, yeah. Where it you know it sat. I'm gonna guess a thousand you know thousand plus people yeah. at least. Um, it had a giant screen. You know, seeing something like that in a packed theater is interesting. I saw when the um. Star Wars prequels came out, Ooh, uh, yeah. and they re—I think they re-released the originals. Um, well, the, the the special editions of the original Star Wars. Yeah, I went and saw Empire uh, at this giant theater with all these other Star Wars fans. That's 
there is something really cool about that. I hope that doesn't go away in one way or another, but I think it is getting a lot more intimate. I do like the whole, you know, fan exciting, you know, getting everybody that loves something together in a group. The only thing I would say against it is when you have a thousand people in a room, the the percentage of distractions is definitely going to raise, you know, yeah. people whispering or giggling or doing something. You can't hear the movie or something like that. So that many people, I could see a lot of problems, you know, arising from that. Especially because our pendulum has swung so far the other way. You know, it used to be we could put up with a little bit of distraction. And now if you are eating too loudly, it feels like people hate you. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's interesting how far we've swung to don't you dare do anything to ruin my movie experience as opposed to, okay, you're being, you're taking a phone call in the theater. That's obviously ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I have, I have a, a lot more patience, I guess, with some of those minor things don't bother me too much. But yeah. if you're kicking me in the head, yeah, that's, that's, that's a bit of a distraction. I don't remember there ever being a time when kicking somebody in the head during a movie was ever accepted. Was acceptable. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, my understanding is when like movie houses were original, they were like, uh, you know, what it was a crazy place. You know, people were okay. So you know how like you go to a ball game, and yeah. people are crazy and yelling and you know high fiving each other and that kind of. My understanding is when movies started, they were almost a spectator communal experience like that, where people were you know right you know causing a ruckus and all that kind of Are stuff. Are you talking about when it was silent film and they just had the guy on the piano just go Yeah, there for a while. So, But, uh, man, can you imagine that today? Oh, gosh. <laughs> In our no... What, what, what are the kids calling it now? Where the, no chill or whatever it is? No chill culture or whatever? Yeah. 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 I don't know. No, I don't see it happening at all. Um, I I just hope it doesn't go away altogether. I hope we no. at least have somewhere to go publicly watch movies together. I eventually think Netflix will actually buy a theater chain. I really do. And I think they will uh, fold in uh, the movie pass idea into their already Netflix. So, you know, if you do $15 a month for Netflix now or $10 a month, just up that to 20 bucks a month and you can go see movies at the on the big screen too at their theaters. Mm. So, I think that's probably where where they will head uh, eventually. So, but who knows? Who knows what the future holds? That's the beauty of the future. Yep. I mean, if we could predict the future, we probably wouldn't like what we see. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you say we probably wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We'd probably be taking, you know, going and making bets on uh, the sports almanac. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out for Biff. Sure did. All right. Uh, before we finish up, let's do some buried treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about, Andrew? So uh, I picked up a show. I keep picking up shows. I got to stop that. <laughs> stop that, man. Yeah. Uh, but it's a really good show because, uh, as you know, I'm a huge fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Mm hmm. Uh, and there's a uh, the main guy from that Glenn Howerton. He played right. Dennis, and that he has a new show on NBC called AP Bio. Right. Uh, so you know about the show, then yeah. I've heard of it. Okay. I haven't watched it. So pretty much, he is a former professor of philosophy at Harvard, loses his job to his rival in the field, and now he is a uh, like a public school uh, biology teacher. Okay. And he doesn't teach, like, the kids biology at all. He's told them, uh, from now on, all this class is going to be is you helping me get back at my rival. And he's, like, a really terrible person, <laughs> like, showing up drunk to class, telling the kids to shut up and how they're dumb and everything. Uh -huh. It's just because he has that air of, I went to Harvard. <laughs> I'm better than all of you, and I'm the smartest person probably in this stupid city. Right. Yeah, and it's so funny. The kids in the show are really hilarious. Like, the kids in his class, it's a really good show. I would recommend it for sure. AP Bio. AP Bio. It's a recommend mm -hmm. from uh, Mr. Ormsby. I have a couple of recommends. My buried treasures are just going to be movies probably for the next couple months just because I'm seeing so many for award season. And, of course, yeah. when they're award season movies, oftentimes they're really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to mention a couple. Uh, I'll start with Searching, uh, which I finally got around to seeing. Have you seen it? That's the one uh, with... John Cho. John Cho. It's actually good? It's, yeah. It really is. Um, I do think it suffers from its conceit. I think there are moments... I think they call it screen life. You know, this idea that everything in the movie is on the screen. Yeah. 
I, I say this every time with every gimmick that comes up. Quit using it as a gimmick. Use it as a tool. This movie, for the first at least half of this movie, is perfect for a screen life movie. I, it's the, in fact, it's probably the best way you could tell this story. And it was brilliant. Moments of brilliance in this movie. And then there comes a point towards the end where all of a sudden you kind of have to start forcing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, just like, um, uh, what was it? Caught, uh, found footage. You know, it's the same oh, kind yeah, of idea, yeah. right? Like at some point, it just it feels forced. Nobody would be shooting this. You know, they, they would not be interacting on their screens in this situation. Yeah. There's one very specific part of the plot where I'm like, that is the most forced thing I've seen in a movie in a long time. And it doesn't have to be that way. Who is telling you you have to maintain this rule for 100% of the movie? Turn into a, a regular narrative film. You know, I, narrative's not right because it is a narrative film. But, you know, like a regularly sure, shot, yeah. you know, cinematic film. Yeah. Why not? For even just for five or ten minutes. There's no... who Whose rule are you breaking? You know? You're just telling the story the best way it can be told. That is my thing is you set, you know, yourself in this world where you feel like, oh, I, you know, I got to stay true to the, you know, you gimmick. Feel, I don't know why they feel committed. I don't either. And I, I said the same thing about found footage movies. Uh, I just I feel like use it as a tool. Um, End of Watch is the best example of this to me in the found footage genre. But it because, works. Because, well, because it doesn't it do it the entire it time. It doesn't do it the entire time. End of Watch is a found footage movie that uses a lot of in-movie footage. Yeah. But it also uses regular cinematography when it needs to to tell the story the best. And it makes you cry a lot. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I, there's just, I think these these things need to mature. Having said that, this is this is a great example of a movie that knows what it's doing. Um, there are great moments in this movie, great performances. John Cho is is great in this. Some of the secondary performances are not so good. Mm-hmm. Some of the voiceover, especially performances, are not so good. Um, but the other thing I really loved about this movie is the attention to detail on the screen. Um, and I I didn't catch you know five percent of the different emails and text messages that were specifically about actual things. In sub side plots, there are entire side plots going on in this movie that you only know about from reading other stuff on the screen, mm. and they're not crucial to you understanding the movie, sure. but they deepen the world. Does it make in an you actually want way. to go back and rewatch it to like pick up on those things? Yes. Or? Okay. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Lots of you would call them Easter eggs, right? This is yeah, in yeah. many ways this is Easter egg the movie um, because there's a lot of that stuff. In fact, there are Easter eggs that tie this movie into the Unfriended movies. Um, so there are. Apparently all in the same universe. Mm. Um, there's an entire subplot about a possible alien invasion that might be happening <laughs> that I think probably relates to the next Screen Life movie. Um, so, you know what I mean? Like, it's it, there's some really smart stuff going on here that I think is is good. I just wish it didn't handcuff itself to its own de- detriment in some ways. Okay. Uh, the movie I liked even more than that, that I have unabashed love for is Blind Spotting. Did you ever catch up on Blind Spotting? That sounds so familiar. Which one was that? So Blind Spotting is the uh, one about Oakland. It's in inner city Oakland, and it's about kind of racial issues, gentrification. Um, it's about... I wanted to see this movie so bad. Well, you want to see it even more now because really? it is so good. Yeah. Um, the, the way this movie <clears throat> handles racial uh, tension is some of the best I've ever seen. Uh, There are, I'm going to say four, at least four scenes in this movie uh, that are just like heart-stoppingly tense because of what's going on here. And it deals with the police brutality issue, police shooting issue, in a way that I haven't seen anybody deal with it before, and in a way that feels so authentic and so real um and here's the thing this movie is hilarious here's the other thing about this movie somehow in in many ways like black Klansman does a similar thing where it balances these tones between almost a level of over-the-top goofiness sometimes yeah and yet you're buying into the drama stuff um it's a real magic trick and I, i i loved seeing it and there is the the um the climax of this movie the moment that happens, I'm not going to give anything away from it. I will just say it should not work, but it does. It okay. is it is one of those movies where 
the client if, if somebody if I told you here's what happens in the climax you'd be like no that doesn't work that's gonna be the goofiest thing I've ever I'll ever see yeah and yet you're watching it and your heart is breaking and your heart is beating and you're gripping your armrests and you know it's just it's really good movie making so high recommend for me and the performances are really great yeah, as well uh, Raphael I forget what his name is Casal Casal yeah he, yeah he's great in it uh, David Diggs David Diggs is phenomenal in this movie yeah uh if this weren't such a crazy year for male performances mm-hmm. I, maybe maybe a really? nomination like wow. i mean it's really good really good um ethan Embry is doing something i've never seen him do before you know like the, the playing this role um there's just a lot of good stuff all around here so i did really want to see this movie so and you should and well, you should i will it's really good well there you go yeah. Did we do a podcast? Yeah, we did. Did we set out to cast some pods? And, and then, we did so. And then casted them? Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Andrew. We did a podcast. Woo. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find out more about other shows on the network by following them at Spreaker, either in the Spreaker app or at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again. Thanks, buddy. Got anything you want to let people know about? Find me on the interwebs uh, at Flick Freaks. Uh, I post things. <laughs> I do stuff. Yes. Uh, continue to check out SifPop.com. Some fun stuff coming your way with that. You, of course, can become a patron. Three bucks a month. Comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out information about that at Patreon.com slash SiftPop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to hit us up on email. Feedback at SiftPop.com or Twitter. I'm at Aaron Dicer and Andrew is at Flick Freaks. We can do stuff that way as well. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this show, too. So make sure you let anybody you know who loves movies know about the podcast and that listening is much easier than writing a Loch Ness Monster made of seaweed. Uh, We're going to do some spoiler chat for Fantastic Beasts so we can try to figure out what in the world is going on in that movie. Uh, And then we'll be back next week with Creed 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet. What a week. We'll see you then. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.